Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Are you guys ready for 10 days of prayer? I don't know if you're ready, but go ahead and get this 10 days of prayer journal. Wave it in the air. Wave it in the air like you just don't care. Actually, wave it like you do care. Come on. Bring it. Bring it. Listen. Listen, I'm excited. Uh, We are excited to give this to you because we believe that 10 days of prayer, there's no better way to encourage your faith if you are discouraged, to motivate you to the things that God has called you to be for you to learn how to pray, for you to, if you're new in your faith, to to enter into a journey, then to lean in and to pray over these 10 days. So we're hopeful this will help you as you grow in Christ. Side note, I do want to say this. If you're doing the Matthew devotional, there's going to be a few days potentially of overlap, maybe all the days of overlap. And here's the thing. Uh, You can read the Bible and you can pray. And so we want to encourage you to do both. And so it's kind of like double dipping in the God sauce. God lets you double dip. And so just keep doing it. It's going to be good. We officially start 10 days of prayer on Thursday. But you can start, I guess, whenever you want. You got the journal. You can get going. But we officially start Thursday, uh, March 30th. We go through Saturday, April 8th. And we want you to sign up for the prayer room, of course, in addition to this journal. Because that, the heart behind this was a lot of times we've done 10 days of prayer, 7 days of prayer, nonstop prayer, 24-7 prayer. These are the things we've called it over the years. And you may sign up for one, maybe even two hours in the prayer room over the course of seven or 14 days, which is really powerful and has been an amazing way that God has moved. This puts something in your hands to do every day, though. It's not just once or twice over that time, but every day we're uniting in prayer. So sign up for the prayer room, though. Those hours will fill up fast, I promise you, so you want to get out there and do it today. Okay, so I bet you can guess what I want to talk about today. What do you think I want to talk about? I want to talk about Jesus. (laughs) The answer is always Jesus. No, I do want to talk about prayer. Everyone say prayer. Prayer. We are on week number 13 of our series, Fire in Our Hearts. And I've been waiting to get to this one because how many know that prayer is the fuel to the fire? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's the fuel to the fire. Prayer works like logs on a fire. Every time we are praying, we are throwing another log on the fire. So when we Quit praying. We quit throwing logs on the fire. Guess what happens to the fire? It burns out, right? And so many Christians today are burning out. They're flaming out. And here's why. It's because they quit praying. And so if you're in a place where you're like, man, I just, I'm feeling like I'm burning out. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm saying, listen, the way you get it going, the way you reignite the fire in your life is through prayer. It's the fuel for the fire. We believe everything begins and ends with That's right. And prayer, we believe, truly is the pathway to God's presence and it's the doorways to his power. The other thing that you're going to hear today that I'm going to say a few times is that our church, this church, was born in prayer. Born in prayer. That's the title of today's message. And every time we do seasons of nonstop prayer or seven days of prayer or 21 days of prayer or whatever we do, and, and this year, of course, 10 days of prayer, I bring us back to the passage we we find in Isaiah chapter 62 and this amazing word that we find. Isaiah 62, verse 6. I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. Everyone say, they will never be silent. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her 
the praise of the earth. This is a prophetic word about God's people contending in nonstop prayer. Never silent, day or night, posted like watchmen on a wall, asking God to restore their city. Now Isaiah speaks this during a time when the people of God had grown cold to the things of God. They had rebelled. In other words, the fire was weak. It had been burned out for some people. So in this verse, Isaiah is speaking to and of a remnant of believers who had not grown cold. He was talking to the people who were, in essence, the fire starters, the ones who were tending the fire and trying to build the fire. It was a small group of believers who were, who were saying, we are not going to be silent. We will post up like watchmen on a walls. And he says, he says this, give yourselves no rest and give God no rest, meaning we are going to be persistent in our prayer. We are going to keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. God will renew his people. So this particular passage has always inspired us, inspired us here at OKC Community to be relentless in prayer. So today, my friends, I just want to pause. I just want to say, man, we have a lot coming in the next two weeks. And I'm so expectant for them. And if all of it could be drenched in prayer, well, then my expectations even go higher. Because I believe God moves through prayer. I believe that the Bible itself shows us time and time again that the kingdom of heaven here on earth hinges on prayer. And when I say that, I don't mean God is dependent on prayer. I mean that God uses prayer. That when we pray, when we bend to prayer like a hinge, it sets his fire loose and his purpose free. And I say all that, and if I believe all that, then I must want to get better at praying. I wonder how many of you want to get better at prayer. Anybody? Raise your hand if you want to get better at prayer. We all want to get better at prayer. And the truth is, prayer is sort of everywhere in the world right now, right? Like it's not really all that uncommon, the idea or the subject of prayer. Even outside of Orthodox Christian prayer, most people will give prayer a try, no matter their religious faith or their comfort, comfort with faith. Someone's sick, right? A loved one is sick. People will cry out and say, God, will you help? Will you heal? Even in a monastery in the mountains of the Himalayas, we see prayer bells chiming and colorful prayer flags flying, right? Or even in the jungles of the Amazon, I read a story about a group, a tribe there painting their faces, dancing around a fire, praying that their forest would be saved? Or how about a group of Buddhists who believe that prayer is best experienced through meditation to enlighten one's inner bodhicitta? Right? So as followers of Jesus, we have to ask, why are we praying? Are we just doing what everybody else does? Are we in some ways trying to just connect with the spiritual or our inner enlightenment or a way to spiritualize our wish lists. I think we all want and we all need it to be more than that, right? We need prayer to mean more than that. And I believe there is something unique about Christian prayer. And I want to talk about it a little bit because it begins with Jesus and what Jesus did. Over the years, I've probably done more messages about the subject of prayer than any other subject. And I, and, I, and I think about that and I ask myself, why is that? Why have I done that? Why, why do we talk about prayer more than anything else? And I think it's because this is what Jesus did. Actually, look at your neighbor right now and say, Jesus did it. 
And sometimes that's enough if you follow Jesus to just be like, well, what did Jesus do? WWJD, right? Jesus prayed, so I pray. So is that enough? But I think for a lot of us, we want a little bit more meat on the bone. Like, well, why do we pray? And what do we pray? And how do we pray? And when do we pray? Well, Jesus was always praying. Like he was always praying. And many of us who pray, we sort of have like this subconscious kind of rhythm and ritual to when we pray. Some of us pray before meals just automatically. Some of us pray when we get up in the morning or maybe when we go to bed or maybe we just pray when in, in case of emergency scenario in our life. And, and, and so prayer other than those moments isn't really happening all that much. But Jesus was always praying. And, and we get to the scripture in Mark 135, and you, you, even at, and this is just a glimpse into how he started every day. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Pete Gregg in his book, How to Pray, A Simple Guide to Prayer for Normal People, he said Jesus is the greatest person who ever lived and was preeminently a man of prayer. Now, I want you to think about it. Very early in the morning, he prayed. And think about his life, though. And you may be familiar with some of these references I'm about to make, but if you're not, I'll, just, I'll quickly give you some context. But a few other instances you may know about when Jesus prayed. Before launching out into his public ministry, what did he do? He prayed and fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. Before choosing his 12 disciples, he went out on a mountain and prayed all night. When he heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been executed, he withdrew by himself to pray. After feeding 5,000 people, after teaching the masses, he was so tired, so his response to his exhaustion was to go climb a mountain and to pray. So what would Jesus do? He would hike a mountain and pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to do the same thing. When, he, when the pressures of, the, of fame threatened to crush him, he withdrew and he prayed. When he was doing ministry, he would pray. He would actually said one time that some things only happen by prayer. When he was facing his own death in the Garden of Geth Gethsemane and fear uh, gripped him and he was failed by his friends, in that moment he prayed. Even during the unimaginable hours of his suffering on, his, on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. On the cross, when he was finished and the mission was accomplished, he prayed one more time to God, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he said, it is finished. Jesus was always praying. Now, in fact, I want to summarize this because I think this is actually going to be really helpful for you uh, about when Jesus prayed. Are you guys with me today? Yeah. It's pulse check. I always like to do that. I want to show you a little graph because everybody like, oh, it's a chart. Everybody loves charts. And I'll name this chart, so when did Jesus pray? All right, you all ready? I, I mentioned some of these, but let's, let's just go through it. We'll go to the first one. When he woke up in the morning, he prayed. We'll go to the next one. When he was preparing for big things, he prayed. So that's why he went in the wilderness, right? And he prayed. When he was making important decisions, like choosing his 12 disciples, he prayed. When he was sad and experienced loss, like the loss of his cousin John the Baptist, he prayed. When he was busy and tired, like after preaching sermons and feeding 5,000, he prayed. When things were going great and the crowds were huge, he withdrew because he wanted to humbly pray. When he was doing ministry, miracles were all preceded by prayer. When he was afraid and alone in the garden, guess what he did? He prayed. When he was suffering on the cross, what did he do? He prayed. When he was finished on the cross, what did he do? He prayed. And so if you think about this, 
These are just a few examples of when Jesus prayed. And if Jesus prayed in all those situations, I would think that all of us need to pray in similar situations, right? We need to pray not just in those situations, but probably more. It's probably why later Paul would write in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. It's what Mark Batterson calls in The Circle Maker, that great book about prayer. He says, he calls it praying through, praying through every circumstances. So for you and for me, maybe we could say it this way. When is it time to pray? Well, for starters, we can use this little chart. When you wake up in the morning, when you're preparing for big things, when you're making decisions, when you're sad, when you're busy, when you're tired, when, you, when things are going great, when you're doing ministry, when you're doing the things God's called you to do, when you're afraid, when you're alone, when you're suffering, when you've completed a mission and we can go ahead and add, when you're thankful, when you're in need, when you're angry, when you're confused, when you're hungry and thirsty for more of God's presence, when you want more faith, when you want more love, when you want more hope, when you want more of God, that is the time to pray. So when do you pray? Now is the time to pray. Always is the time to pray. Now is the time to pray is the prophetic word from Isaiah 62 when he says, they will never be silent day or night. How many of you know that when you lean into Jesus, you end up leaning into prayer? Listen, again, Pete Gregg says it this way. We have it on our prayer room, in our prayer room on the screen. He says, we don't pray because we're into prayer. We pray because we're into Jesus. That's just the way it is. It's because Jesus did it. So we do it too. We pray all the time because Jesus prayed all the time. God didn't create, create prayer only for the in case of emergency scenarios of your life. No, prayer is the pathway to his presence, right? If you really want to know God, you're going to have to learn how to pray. It's why his disciples said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? They never said teach us how to preach, teach us how to heal. They never said teach us. They didn't say any of that. They said Teach us how to pray because they knew that his source of his strength, his source of his power, his source of his love, all was rooted in this rhythm of him always praying. Anyone ever have their phone die? You know what I'm talking about? Your phone goes dead. Is there anything more useless than a dead phone? It's literally just a hunk of junk at that point. Prayer is like plugging your phone into the wall where you instantly get power and communication line open like that. Listen, you plug the phone in, you instantly get power and communication. You instantly get strength. You instantly get access to the relationship again. So if now is the time to pray, what should we be praying? Well, I think in your life, you can determine that based on what's going on in your life, what's God putting in your heart. But today, you know, there's a collective purpose that I want to bring to the table. That what are we praying as a church? What are we going to be praying over these 10 days? And in your prayer journal, you're actually going to see 10 different words. There's a word for each day. And I want you to think of these words kind of like 10 different logs we're going to throw on the fire over these 10 days to keep that fuel and that fire burning. And so we're going to use our trusty little graph again. Uh, uh, this is a chart. I should keep saying graph. This is really a chart, isn't it? Ten days of prayer. The day one, we're going to say this. We're going to, we're going to say, Lord, th the word is ready. And we're going to basically say we have to be ready for the Holy Spirit to come and to move in our life. Everyone say ready. ready. Day two is listen. Jesus often said, whoever has ears, let them hear. God, we want to hear your voice. We want to know your voice. Everyone say listen. listen. 
Day three is hungry. This has been one of our prayers for a long time. God, we want to be hungry and thirsty for more of you. The more we build our hunger, the greater our spiritual appetite will be. Everyone say hunger. hunger. Day four, more. We have four revival, fairs, revival prayers that we've been praying for five years now. It's more spirit, more salvations, more healings, more breakthrough. And we put this on day four because day four, if you're doing it the 10 days in order, that's April 2nd, which is the day we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary. So we want to be praying in united prayer for our church to say, God, would you bring more of your spirit upon this church? Would you fall on us like fire? More salvations in our church body that more people would come into a loving relationship with you? Would your grace pour out on people? More healings in Jesus' name. We ask this not for our sake but for your glory because it only points people. It's a sign and a wonder of your power. We ask for more breakthrough because, God, will you break through not only uh, the walls that people are facing but the addictions that they're up against? Will you give spiritual breakthrough? These are our revival prayers. Everyone say more. more. Day five is love. God wants you to receive his love. Greater love has no one than this, that he, one would lay his life down for his friends. And so Jesus did this for us. He loves us. And before we can ever give love, we must receive love. Everyone say love. love. Day six, fire. We are turning up the heat. The fire is getting bigger and stronger because remember, prayer is the fuel to the fire. Everyone say fire. Day seven is trust. All of us daily face the question, will I trust God with this thing? Hmm. We need to build a firewall of trust. Everyone say trust. Day eight is forgive. Uh, we are deep into Holy Week on day eight. And no better time for us to come face to face with our need for grace and the need, our need for the forgiveness of Christ if forgiveness is at the center of the gospel. How many, are, how many are thankful for God's forgiveness? Amen? Everyone say forgive. forgive. Day nine is grateful. Day nine is Good Friday. What better, better day to be grateful for Jesus and all he's done on the cross. And on that day, they call it good for a reason. Everyone say grateful. grateful. Day 10 is victory. We finished our 10 days the way Jesus finished his time here on earth. In victory, through the resurrection, defeating death, and the work of the enemy, through Christ, we've already won every battle. We get to experience his victory. Everyone say victory. victory. So that's what we're praying for, right? We're, we're praying, God, we're ready. Will you come in your power? We're listening, God. Will you give us ears to hear? We're hungry, God, for more of you. Give us more, God, more of your spirit, more salvations, more healings, more breakthrough. We freely receive your love, God. We pray fire in our hearts, God. We, we pray we, we, that we will trust you, Lord. Will you uh, give us your forgiveness, God? We want to receive it. We are grateful for the cross, and we stand in your victory, God. That's what we're praying for. So when is the time to pray? Now is the time to pray. I have to take us to one of the most powerful moments of prayer in the ministry of Jesus. On the night of his arrest, in the middle of what was about to be chaos, Jesus went to a garden to pray. Now, Jesus knew what was about to happen. You know, he could have had the last supper and then looked at the disciples and said, you know what, fellas? We should go to the mountain and pray. <laughs> but he didn't get out of town to go to the mountains, even though we love the mountains. Or he could have pulled together a strategy meeting to say, hey, let's set up a war room scenario because it's about to get crazy. 
Instead, after he washed his disciples' feet, after he shared an intimate meal with those who were closest to him, after he looked at Judas and said, go do what you got to do, he said to some of his disciples, come, let's go pray. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus, with his disciples, went with his disciples to a place, place called Gethsemane. Now remember, they had just had the Passover meal. Jesus had declared himself the new Passover lamb, had given them the symbols of the new covenant, the bread and the wine. Jesus knows that now is the time for his coming death. So he says, let's go do what we usually do. Let's go to the garden we always go to and let's pray together. And then he said this to him, sit here while I go over there and pray. Everyone say pray. pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, if you don't know what's going on here, Jesus is about to be arrested and go to the cross. And we've talked in previous messages, what does it mean, this cup that he's talking about? Scripturally, this is the cup of God's wrath that is about to be poured out on Jesus, all of it, for all the sin of all humanity. For you and for me, he's going to endure that cup. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray. Everyone say, watch and pray. Like watchmen on walls, right? Like just never silent, day or night. So that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now this is a powerful word as we are leaning in right now to 10 days of prayer. If you've ever wondered, why do we do one hour of prayer in the prayer room? Well, yeah, it might make some sense, like from a scheduling standpoint, but it's this passage right here. Couldn't you keep watch with me and pray for one hour? This is where it's coming from. And by the way, Jesus is not scolding his disciples. He's not like, man, what's up with you guys? Like, wake up, bums. Like, get up off your, you know, keister. Like, he's not saying that. He's like, listen, Jesus always has compassion. Jesus always has love. And if you read it in this way, hey, fellas. You need to stay awake and you need to pray. I don't want temptation to fall on you because it's about, it's coming for them, isn't it? If you know the story, it's coming for them. He's like, I need you to pray right now. This is the hour of prayer. Then he went away a second time. Everyone say second time. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Now, if you've ever prayed for something and then went back and prayed again and wondered, man, do I need to pray about this again? Didn't God hear me the first time? I don't want to be guilty of babbling on in prayer all the time. Well, Jesus went back again and prayed. Praying persistently, praying through with shameless audacity, right, is the words in Luke 11. When he came back, he found them sleeping again. Because their eyes were heavy. When I think about this, sometimes I just, we are just sleepwalking through the very things that Jesus created us for. So he left them, went away once more, 
And he prayed a third time. Everyone say third time. Amen. Saying the same thing. He prayed again and again. So yes, it's okay to keep praying. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Everyone say rise. rise. Everyone say let's go. let's go. Friends, the hour has come. It is time. It is time for us to pray. It is time for us to say, you know what? I'm not going to be the one that's like, I don't need that right now. I'm on the, I'm on the outside looking. I, it is time. Rise. Let's go. Jesus prayed. So we pray. How many of you know that this church was born in prayer. Anybody know that? When I rewind the clock and consider how it happened, I really do come back to prayer. And I hope it's okay, you know, just that I'm going to be a little nostalgic for a moment. I'm a, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. I like the story, right? I like the origin of how things began and were born. But when I think about the story of our church in this season as we're celebrating all that God has done. And I just go back to 2011. Christy and I were at a point in life that many of you have been at as well. Maybe you're there right now. We were at a turning point. You could call it maybe a hinge point, right? Since we were hinging a little bit on prayer. And we looked at each other in a real conversation. And, and I said, what are we doing? Like literally, what are we doing with our life? And I remember Christy said something I'll never forget. She said, you know what, I'm tired, about, I'm tired of talking about the life that we ought to be living. We need to get off our butts and go after it. Only she didn't say butts. Uh, I can say, she's not here today. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Christy would never. She would never, guys. PG all the way, all the time. She wouldn't let my kids watch SpongeBob SquarePants, guys. Like, she didn't say anything but butts. Um, She said, we need to go after it. So, I, so this fired us up, and I'm like, you're right, we need to go after it. You know? But then I was like, now what? God, I'm fired up, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. So I remember calling, I remember, I remember talking to her and saying, you know, I think whatever God's calling us to we, have to, we have to pray like we've never prayed before. We need to pray until God speaks and reveals his plan. So for us, it was, you know, we won't move until God speaks. So we decided we would pray every night together, which was like a new thought for us. We were 10 years into marriage, and we, were just, we had prayed a little bit, but not much. We would pray every night. We put our girls to bed around 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And so from 9 o'clock until 10 or 10.30, we just started praying every night. But we were like, we're going to just keep praying until God speaks. So we would read scripture together. We would maybe read books. We, we, we'd pray individually. We'd pray together. We talked, we dreamed, we did this every night, but it was like we weren't quite getting a clear picture, and we did this for over a year. And when I say every night, I mean every night but Saturday. <laughs> we took Saturday off. So we did no TV, literally said no TV on any night except Saturday. We'll kind of give ourselves a break because OU football. But um, <laughs> what? It was before the Thunder were here, so, you know, that's good. Um, but... We, we prayed every night, no TV. We prayed, we talked, we dreamed, we prayed some more. 
And I would say in this season is when we learn how to pray. But I will also say this, like I'm, no, no, I'm not an expert on prayer. Every time I go into the prayer room, I feel like I'm still a beginner. We're all just beginners, by the way. How many of you know that we're always learning how to pray? But in that year of praying with such focus and intention, God did teach us a lot. We dug a well together. And after almost a year of praying, there was a moment that Christy bravely said out loud to me, I think we're supposed to plant a new church. And prior to this moment, I was like very resistant to the idea of a new church. I did not want to plant a church. I didn't, want, I didn't think I was a church planter. Like all that sounded very terrible to me. Like, like imagine yourself planting a church. You're like, no way. Like most of us think that, right? I was that way. In fact, I, I went as far as to say the world doesn't need more churches. Like we have enough. We just need better churches and better pastors. We need to fix all of those people and all of those places. Well, here's the deal. I was young. I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, and now I, I believe a lot of different things. I believe that we do need more churches. And I do believe that we need better churches and better pastors. But most importantly, I believe we need more believers who are on fire for Jesus and who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I believe this world needs. So when Christy said this, that we ought to plant a church, it was literally like a Holy Spirit broke a dam in my heart that I had been resisting and holding the will of God back in my life. And when it said it, it broke. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you have a dam in your heart right now that you're resisting and you're not letting break through. But God wants to break through. Now is the time. So God revealed the vision for OKC community to us through prayer. And from the very first moment, everything about it was like, we just got to trust the Lord in prayer because I don't even want to do this. He put certain things in our heart to trust him with. There were so many things like, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I just got to pray about it. We started seeing others, people around us in our life, sort of being moved in prayer as well. And over the first few years, we did not plant this church the way that the experts say we should plant a church. We didn't do it like the websites or the books teach. And we literally did everything opposite of the way you're supposed to start a church. Literally. We didn't raise any money. We didn't do any promotional plans. We didn't try to do any aggressive rec recruitment campaigns. We didn't try and build a team. We didn't look for a worship leader. We didn't look for a sound guy. Like, we didn't do any of that. We were just like, Lord, we just got to pray. We weren't trying to be contrarian. That wasn't it at all. We just felt in prayer that we weren't supposed to do any of those things. We weren't supposed to raise money or recruit people or be promotional. We were just supposed to let God build this church. And so we felt, and I still feel this way. I feel deep in my bones that God started this church all the way down to the details of when, where, and who. So I say it proudly all the time that Jesus is the founding senior pastor of this church. Bar none. It is, he is the guy. And we felt in prayer that God told us to do one thing, and it was to tell our story. To tell our story about how we had been praying over the last year, and God has revealed that we're supposed to start a church on 23rd Street. And that's all we did. That's all we did. We didn't do much else. We told our story, and God built the church. We didn't build a team. He built the team. We had six people leave full-time ministry. I didn't ask one of them to come. We didn't have any money to pay them. How, how awkward is that conversation? Hey, we're going to come to your church, and I'm, I'm going to work at your church. Oh, okay, come on, right? Um, he provided money. We never did one fundraising campaign, but we never struggled financially, still haven't to this day. We, we didn't do any big promotions or recruitment, but people still showed up and still keep showing up. And 
we, he showed us where we were supposed to be in this city, like in a specific spot, as specific as you can get. And, and time and time again, we've done this story a lot, but time and time again, we heard, no, 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 go somewhere else. There'll never be a church in Tower Theater or anywhere near Tower Theater. Too many people wouldn't want that. This is one of the things that God has done. And over the years, over the years, we've seen God work through prayer in our church. Hundreds of people praying for thousands of hours in our prayer room. Just a couple weeks ago at Monday Night Prayer, I saw 50 people stand up spontaneously and go and pray over one person who had vulnerably shared about a sickness that he was facing. It's beautiful. I heard a story the other day of someone who came to pray at the end of a service. And that day they were healed physically of some chronic pain that they had been experiencing while they were simultaneously uh, healed emotionally of, been, of some pain they had been walking through. Same day, the power of prayer. We've seen people who have needed a car pray for God's help, and out of the blue, God provides a car. Several people who have experienced church hurt come to this church. I don't know why we're a magnet for that, but we are. I, I think I do know why, because we're a house of healing, and God heals them. I think of Isaiah who prayed faithfully for years about the call that was deep in his heart and God faithfully opened the door for him to serve at this church and on this staff. I think of couples who've prayed for children who are struggling to conceive and now we are literally seeing children born out of prayer. Some coming really soon. <laughs> and in fact, just a couple days ago, a couple of them were born. A couple meaning twins because God is the God of the increase. Amen. We pray God would build a beautiful and diverse community, and he's doing that over and over again. I remember one random weekday about eight years ago, I was actually prayer walking down this street, and I stopped in front of our building. But at the time, it wasn't our building. It was just a building. But it was a building that we were praying about, and we had actually put an offer in on that building, 421, next door to here. And, uh, but it had been eerily quiet. We had not heard a word back about this. And I remember praying in front of the building and I felt like God sort of whispered to me, put in my heart, that just said, kneel. Kneel down in front of this place, pray to me, and I will show you my power. Now, 23rd Street traffic was in full bloom. Yet I kneeled and I prayed. I got up. I walked back down the street. And a few minutes later, my phone rang and said, the voice on the other end of the line said, Tim, you'll never believe this, but they just accepted our offer. He said, this church was born in prayer. And it was planted by God, by the way. Now is the time to pray. How many of you guys feel that in your bones? Now is the time to pray. It's time to keep contending like watchmen posted on a wall, never silent day or night. Keep watch and pray, Jesus says. Could you pray with me for one hour, Jesus says. Friends, this isn't anything other than just us looking at Jesus and his life and saying, when did Jesus pray? All the time for everything. So what are we going to do? We should pray all the time for everything.
We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.